This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 44 of the podcast where we help you achieve your career goal. Today, I have with me a frequent co-host, Tom Wachowski, who is a corporate pilot and creator of online media. Today, Tom is going to help me answer listener mail and also describe a tool he's created to help you land a job and stand out amongst the competition. Hey, Tom, welcome back. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. It's always fun to come on this show and and uh, especially these listener questions. I have a good time with this. Yeah, it's, it is a blast. I mean, I love helping folks. And uh, boy, some really challenging questions that we have today and some interesting stuff that if you're listening right now, I think you'll learn something from uh, other people's questions. And that's the reason that we do this. Uh, we're also going to have some uh, guests coming up here in the future. We're going to be talking to some of the folks over at uh, FAPA.Aero. And also Rod Machado is going to be on this uh, show coming up soon. So stay tuned for some of those uh, guests. But we do need to catch up on the Q&A still from my, my little hiatus here from the uh, podcast. Uh, but as far as looking for the uh, the pilot jobs book, we're going to discuss that later. If you're listening to this and you're on the internet, you can just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on the products tab, and under that you'll see the pilot jobs book, plus all the other products we have. But we'll talk about that later. So let's go ahead and dive into uh, some of the Q&A here today. And if you're new to this show, uh, normally what we do is we have a guest on and we talk about uh, their job and we learn a little bit about their careers. If uh, We also do some answering of emails. And uh, another thing we do is we have some tools to help out people uh, go forward in their career. But I hope you enjoy the show. This is, a, this is a lot of fun for me. I get a lot of satisfaction out of this. And it is just, just a blast, just a lot of fun uh, helping you folks uh, uh, move towards your your career goal. If you have a question, by the way, go ahead to the contacts page on aviationcareerspodcast.com. Real simple. Click on the uh, form, fill out the form, or click on my email, send me a question. And if you do uh, like the podcast, I'd appreciate you just going to aviationcareerspodcast.com and visiting one of our sponsors. So here's our first question. Uh, first question comes in and says, Carl, thank you so much for the show. I've really enjoyed it. I've also greatly enjoyed the times with Eric Crump and hearing his enthusiasm for training new aviators. Just today, I was listening to Captain Jeff on the Airline Pilot Guy podcast, and he had feedback from a student at Polk State who seemed thrilled with the program. So great job, Eric. Additionally, congratulations, Carl, on your marriage. I'm sure this is a thrilling time for you. That, appreciate that. Yes, it is a thrilling time. And by the way, Captain Jeff was on uh, on our show here, and I'll have a link to the uh, actual episode with Captain Jeff. He does a wonderful uh, job on the, on the uh, podcast there, Airline Pilot Guy. Continuing with his uh, email, I just read through the links you gave for the info on the color vision. I was thrilled to see the detail AOPA gives on this. Before I started training, it took... Uh, meeting numerous colorblind pilots to finally be told to take the light gun test at night, which was the only way I could get a soda. And uh, that uh, soda is actually it's a, a deviation authority that's uh, given to folks that have uh, uh, any type of a uh, some type of medical issue. And once it's issued, it's issued. And uh, we'll do a whole other podcast on that. But anyway, he continues. I'd like to hear both of your opinions on the direction I'm taking with my aviation career. During college, I majored in missionary aviation, worked full-time in the shop, and ended up getting my uh, IA. By the time I graduated, uh, the after school, I spent a year in the shop working on piston-powered airplanes. And by the way, the IA is the Inspection Authorization of the AMP, or Aviation Maintenance Technician. Uh, that gives the uh, ability for a Aviation Maintenance Technician to sign off aircraft uh, so that you can actually go fly. Uh, it's a little different than the regular uh, aviation maintenance technician in that they can sign off certain things, but avi- the aviation maintenance technician with inspection authorization, that allows you to, to sign off annuals and, and that type of thing. He continues, I then landed my first flying job in 2005 when I was hired by a company to oversee maintenance on King Air's dropping Mediterranean fruit, fly- fruit flies in the Los Angeles Basin. After six months, I had received my multi-add-on and began flying as an FO, first officer, and eventually upgraded to captain. The flying was good, but we never went more than 50 miles away, so I transferred to our airborne data acquisition segment in March of 2011. I'm still flying the 90s, that's a C-90s, a King Air, 
almost exclusively, uh, which are unpressurized versions sold to the military in the late 60s, but have done some flying in the E-90, which is pressurized. In my two years as captain, I've built great experience flying all over the continental U.S. and even up in Canadian Arctic. I now have over 3,500 hours, though because of my type of flying, I feel that my weak area is instrument skills. I only have 85 hours of actual instrument and 100 hours of simulated instrument. I've started flying as my practice approaches under the hood as many as I can. One of the other things going for my instrument skills has been the fact that we now have an in-house simulator that we use during an annual recruit training that has been a great help. The company I work for is great, and they have been very good to me. One of the benefits is that I can live anywhere I want to, and they airline me to my assignments. I work a little more than half the time, but other than half, I get off with no responsibility. Unfortunately, there is no set schedule, so it's hard to make plans without risking losing work when it's available as it's feast or famine type of job. It says our, our company is also operating a King Air 200s, and I hope to get checked out in this soon. Additionally, if I choose to change to another business segment, there's also would be a possibility of flying Dash 8s, though I doubt I'd want to go there <laughs> where those, op- those are operating. I've worked for the company eight years with two and a half in my current position. I wonder if I should make a move. I could be happy here for the rest of my career, but I've wondered about what would happen if I were looking for another job and all I have is time in unpressurized King Air. Obviously, there are many corporate King Airs out there, so I'm right in thinking that the time and experience I'm getting now are continuing to increase my value as a pilot. I may not be getting much IFR time, but doing surveys at altitudes of 1,000 to 20,000 feet flying precise lines is great training for stick and rudder, as well as the weather to acknowledge. Additionally, with the new ATP requirements coming next summer, would I be smart to go ahead and spend the $3,000 to go ahead and get my ATP before the rules change? I love introducing people to flying and have also thought about getting my CFI to be able to instruct on the side. Since I don't have the cash to do both at the same time, I'm thinking that getting my ATP should be my priority and keep my eyes open for new possibilities. Look forward to hearing from you, and apologies for how long this ended up being, Mark. Well, Mark, I appreciate the uh, the question. Before we uh, answer your question and uh, and using Eric's email, because Eric Crump actually asked, answered this question uh, while I was on vacation, I'd say, you know what? Getting your CFI is always important, and getting your ATP, any ratings, is important. I would I would definitely suggest you're doing that because the ATP, without that, and if you're thinking of going to the airlines, you just can't do it without the ATP. So I would definitely go ahead and do that first. What do you think, Tom? Is that good advice? Yeah, I think that's good advice. He sounds like he is definitely committed in this career, and based on where he's been and where he could go, the ATP is probably more benefit than the CFI. I would agree. And the CFI, if you want to introduce people, it's a great way to to uh, you know get get a get a, a rating and introduce people to flying and get paid to fly. Uh, you might want to think of that more as a part time gig where you concentrate on that ATP. I think that's a great idea. Well, let me uh, read uh, Eric Crump's answer. Hello, Mark. Let me answer what I think is the most important question first. Yes, absolutely. Get your ATP as soon as possible. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 until the ATP is in your pocket. You, do, you don't want to get caught up in the mess of the upcoming ATP, CTP, after the 8-1-2014. In other words, you're going to have to have uh, the uh, ATP if you want to become an airline pilot. Uh, you, also, uh, you can also get the ATP uh, and have a restricted type of license, uh, but it's, uh, it's something you will definitely have to have to get hired. Regarding the CFI, I strongly recommend that you pursue it, but definitely after the ATP, if you have to choose one at the time. In addition to providing another revenue stream for you, it will also make you a better pilot. I don't know what I, I didn't know until I began my CFI training. Strongly recommend it. I think that's a good point. You know, you don't know what you you don't know until you start teaching. Regarding your uh, career arc, I have, have to say that you have taken a really interesting path. Your case is a great example of why I love this business. Look at all the amazing things you've been able to do in aviation thus far. Yours is truly a, a great story. So thanks for sharing. Uh, she says, Carl can chime in more on the airline perspective of your hiring potential, but I would say that actual instrument time is seriously sought after in most professional flying jobs. I have a good friend who is a survey pilot. Obviously, he only flies on good weather days. He has tons of flight time, but he's now looking at how he can build his instrument time and experience to make himself hireable down the road. By the way, just to chime in there, 
it's great what he's doing with the, the simulator because if you don't have a lot of simulation time or a lot of instrument time, get in the simulator and get some time actually flying in the sim because that's that's what you're going to be doing a lot of in the training uh, when you do go fly. And plus, it'll bring your skills back up rather quickly. And uh, Eric continues, it sounds to me like you have a really good handle on where you are and where you're going. You have a good thing going for you, but I can understand your desire for more stability or just enhancing your position in the industry. For what it's worth, I happen to love the King Air 200. It's a gentleman's airplane. It's definitely one of my favorites to date. I wish you the best of your, uh, best on your path, and I welcome any other questions you have. I hope this email is helpful to you. Have a great day and fly safely. Eric Crump. So that was from uh, Eric Crump. He, uh, he's a terrific guy. He's, he's uh, at Polk State College, and we'll put a link in there, and I do appreciate uh, Eric doing that for me. But I think you're on the, right, on the right path. Get the ATP. Everybody who is thinking about getting the ATP, on the fence, do it. Get it done. Uh, before, you know what's interesting, before with the ATP at the airline, um, you know, my, my mom asked me this the other day. She says, do you have your ATP? And I was like, uh, you know, Mom, I've been a captain for a long, long time. So, yes, but she didn't know what it was, so I had to explain it to her. And back then, you actually uh, just had to have the written exam done, and then you got hired with an uh, airline, and the airline would actually finish up your ATP for you. So all you had to do is have the, uh, the ATP done. I am going to go on. To the next question. It's a little bit long, but uh, that's okay. Here we go. Hi, Carl. How's everything going in your new uh, airline flying the A320? I bet you're enjoying it a lot with everything you, you do in aviation. Yep, I love the plane, actually. It's, it's a blast. Uh, didn't realize I'd like it so much. Uh, I was a little wary about the fly-by-wire, but it's still a lot of fun. It's still a challenge. You still get to actually manage the airplane, fly the plane, uh, try to, you know, my big challenge with the, an airplane that's so highly automated is try to get it to do something uh, and and anticipate everything that's going to happen, and when it does happen, not being surprised. A lot of times we have what's called automation surprise in a highly automated airplane, and uh, in the Airbus, it's uh, the biggest thing is to try not to be surprised when something happens. Also, uh, to try to stay way ahead of the airplane and make it a real smooth ride for the uh, for the customers. Anyway, uh, he continues. Here in Barcelona, we're about to finish the 2013 summer session in which we've been, for the first time in history, the busiest airport in Spain. Despite the economical crisis, the tourist, tourism and energy of Catalan institutions have enabled us to get really decent numbers to be proud of. From the personal perspective, as I told you, I'm studying the ATP theory through a distance course with Aviation Academy in the uh, United Kingdom and have six written exams scheduled at London Gatwick uh, in December. Let's see how they go. Well, I'm sure you'll do fine. On the other side, I've also been doing a little research about the possibility of coming to work as an air traffic controller in the United States. Looks like at this point, uh, that's completely impossible for the FAA uh, taking a side sequestration as they require to be the maximum 30 years old, and that's what, what uh, he is, and be a U.S. citizen, which of course I'm not. But then looking at contract hours, hiring conditions of companies like Midwest, Robinson Aviation Circle, what they really care about is experience. So after being JAA rated tower controller for the past five years, I might have a chance. By, by what I found in some hiring webpages, they ask if you're a U.S. citizen, but on none they mention any restrictions about it. I figure that if being a foreign citizen, you are hired by them, uh, all are private companies. One has to ask for a green card showing the the job contract, but as you can imagine, my lack of information, and more important, I don't really know if that's a real possibility or if it just never happens. I tried to establish email contact with some of these contract tower companies with no response. I figure they have only write back with to valid job applicants, or maybe as I told you, that's just not possible to send my questions uh, straight to them. They send my questions straight to the, cat, the trash. Excuse me. You may ask yourself why I'm always looking for ways to find an aviation career in the U.S., and want to leave my current six-figure income air traffic control job in the Spain? Good questions. Well, I can tell you a couple of the most important reasons among others. First, the future of ATC jobs in Spain is not looking good with voices telling about the future 20 to 30% reductions in salaries in more facilities, especially towers being privatized in which the working and economic conditions will change for the worse dramatically. And secondly, because because I've told you on the other occasion that the aviation sector in Spain is very limited, nothing to do with the thousands of possibilities the American aerospace industry offers. And therefore, if that's what I like and I'm thinking of giving my future generations a love for aviation, best career possibilities, 
that's the way to go. Do you have any thoughts on the contract tower subject or maybe know somebody related to it? Thanks, as always, Carl, for your great dedication to Aviation Careers Podcast, which I always listen to during my road commute to and from the airport. And sorry for the long email. Hey, I love the long emails. It's, it's really cool to get some granularity in everybody's situation because I think that, that resonates with certain people. Uh, as far as contract towers, I do know uh, quite a few folks that work at contract towers and I will ask for possibly one of them to be on especially in the hiring department but uh, those are limited jobs uh, and there's there's not a whole bunch out there and they at times and this is just a feeling I get from them and I, I haven't uh, asked them directly but that, you know they worry about their jobs also uh, because here in the United States even like you said with sequestration they were talking about getting rid of some of the, the contract towers that are out there uh, I would. I will look into that for you. Uh, I don't know if Tom, if you have any experience with the, any of the folks working over the contract hours. Boy, you know I don't. Okay, well, you know we'll, we'll do that. But like I said, I the the folks that I know that work in contract hours, there's two of them that are close to me. I I will uh, give them a shout and talk with them a little bit. They obviously won't be able to talk online, um, but not having a U.S. citizenship is uh, is going to be a tough one. I think. I think you, you may have to go about. Uh, getting your U.S. citizenship. And again, there's uh, limited numbers there. There's a lot of you know, possibilities as far as working in air traffic control in the United States for the federal government. The only limitation, like you said, is the fact that uh, there's a cutoff as far as age is concerned. Uh, and for folks that are younger, that's, that's uh, not an issue. But uh, yes, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge trying to get something over here. But you know, like I said, I'll look into it for you. Again, uh, thanks for the question. I really appreciate that. Next question comes from uh, Ryan. Uh, he says, uh, "Hey Carl, I'm a 22. I am 22 and a student pilot based out of Oahu, Hawaii. I'm just about to go in for my written, and then we'll follow it up by actual flight training. My goal is to become a commercial pilot and join the Missionary Humanitarian Organization (MAF). That's uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship. I currently work as a lighting programmer at a lighting production company here in the islands. It's an okay job, and I'm working hard to save up as much as I can and still survive. I have a few questions I hope you may have the answers for. First off, is there any chance you could get an MAF pilot or some missionary humanitarian pilot on your show to discuss that realm of aviation and the pluses and minuses of being out there flying for the good of others? Second, I am working really hard and saving, but I also want to work smart. And I'm willing to accept whatever help is out there for guys like me wanting to get into mission aviation. I wonder if you know any of the scholarships, grants, or loans that are specifically for guys like me that are not tied to a college. Although I, I believe colleges are good for those who want to go into the corporate setting there where they will be making a lot of money down the road. It, it isn't required for this field of aviation. And financially, wouldn't make sense to go out and get into debt if I'm going to fly most likely on a fundraised income. Basically, is there help for guys who want to fly to help others? Because I want to fly with a purpose and a calling. I have answered for advice. and I, I, If you have any answers for advice or advice, excuse me, I'll take it. And, uh, well, I tell you what. Here, first of all, Mission Aviation Fellowship, I do know quite a bit uh, about Mission Aviation Fellowship. I actually uh, went through the process myself of uh, doing some work and went through multiple interviews and realized, uh, quite frankly, it wasn't for me, uh, but it could be for you. It could be for some other folks. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that until I went through the whole the whole process. But I will say this: I have a lot of friends that work with MAF, and they love it. Uh, they love the flying. Uh, there is a challenge, uh, you know, trying to raise money and to be sponsored. But you do work for Mission Aviation Fellowship. You're again, you're not going to make a ton of money, but it is incredibly rewarding. Some of the flying they get to do. Uh, I'll give you an example. I have a friend that went down to, I think it was Saltillo in Mexico, and he helped build a well uh, for a water well, and uh, he went and brought all the supplies, and with the other pilot, there was two of them, they helped build the well, but they also taught the people how to build that well. So that was that was a blast. I mean, I think they really, really enjoyed that. But yes, yeah, so I'll try to get someone on from MAF. I know bunches of people there. Uh, the other thing, too, you mentioned about scholarships, and uh, we started doing this, and I mention it more later, is uh, you can just go out to uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on scholarships or aviationscholarshipsguide.com. It'll bring you right to the same website. I'm starting to put a list together of all the different scholarships, and, and one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these uh, scholarships are not only for students, they're also for anybody out there, not just people that are in college. 
I understand there's a lot of them that are geared just directly towards students, but there are quite a few out there that don't tell you that you have to be a student in a college. There's there's many of them out there, and I'll uh, I, as I continually add to this, uh, you'll be able to see uh, what I mean there. That some of these are just scholarships for anybody, uh, not just people that are in high school or college. Um, the the one thing that I'll be doing is I'll be there's like ten of them that are free out there now and you can take a peek at those and then if you register I'm gonna uh, the first sixty are gonna be free so in other words the next fifty from those ten will be free after that is gonna be a small monthly membership of five dollars uh, just to pay for the person that's actually administering all the scholarships there um, but uh, Tom do you have any uh, friends that are in Mission Aviation Fellowship or maybe some advice for for him as far as uh, loans or grants and that type of thing yeah have any friends uh, that I can think of right now that are doing mission flying or mission aviation fellowship. But, you know, one thing as you read his question, and he seems very dedicated to using aviation to help others, which which I honor. And that's, uh, you know, that that's really cool that he knows kind of where he wants to go in this industry, but something to consider. And uh, I just thought of this because I interviewed a gentleman recently who runs a company that does medical flying. Now, this isn't like EMS flying. What they do is kind of high-end, uh, very critical medical transport in all kinds of uh, private jets, but that might be an avenue for him to consider because these folks uh, have a probably what sounds like maybe a little bit better schedule, uh, maybe more advanced equipment if that's something he's interested in, and they're doing their service is saving lives, literally saving lives, getting them from A to B where they can get a procedure done or something like that. So that, that might be something to think about, kind of the high-end priority medical field. Um, if he wants to serve other people, that's another avenue. Uh, but no, I think he's very smart to realize that you know spending time and money on college for where he wants to go with mission work probably isn't um, the best course or the best use of his time and money. So uh, you know, I congratulate him for being very strategic in that. Uh, but uh, that's the only thing I could think of is maybe the medical stuff. Yeah, that's great. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll get someone uh, from MAF to, to get in touch with you. I do know quite a few folks uh, out there from interviewing them. But again, thanks for the question. Uh, next question comes in. Actually, it's uh, more of a comment uh, and suggestion. Uh, he writes in, Hi, Carl. Earlier this year, I wrote to you asking for some advice on getting started in the area of ground school for primary students. You dedicated one of your podcasts to the topic and spoke to a CFI from New Jersey that went through a similar process with flight training. I wanted to follow up with you to let you know that I followed your advice and it proved to be valuable. Persistence was key and the opportunity finally came available. A local independent CFI also has a full-time job that keeps him very busy and leaves little time to spend with his primary students on the ground portion of the training. He asked me to cover the ground training and test prep portion of their training, which frees me up, frees up, excuse me, his time and allows the students to be better prepared for the flight portion of the training. Once this is complete, I'll focus on the oral exam prep. There are two students and their schedules are very different, so I meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. This arrangement is great and allows me to give them the individual attention each one needs, especially since they are in different stages of their training. Thank you again for taking the time from your busy schedule to offer your initial advice and motivation. My goal is to continue with this model for other CFIs in the area and hopefully develop a local following that will allow me to continue to teach. Keep up the great work on your end. Safe skies and happy flying. And that's from Scott. He's an AGI, Advanced Ground Instructor, and an IGI, Instrument Ground Instructor. And that's what he got before, uh, uh, right between this episode and the last episode we talked to him. Uh, you're you're quite welcome. I'm glad that worked out for you. That's terrific. Um, I think that more people should look towards that. And that's a great story uh, for people that are looking to actually make some extra money uh, uh, working as a, a ground instructor, etc. I did that out part-time, and it's worked out fairly well. Tom, have you done much ground instructing? Um, I did when I was flight instructing, uh, okay. but not so much anymore. And But, but he, that, you know, as you read that, that's, that is genius, how he partnered with somebody to really serve the students. That, I, I've never really thought of that or heard of anybody doing that. That, that was really a smart way to go. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's, uh, I think 
more people can can learn from that, I think it's a, a terrific thing to do. So uh, I'm glad you you took some of the advice we told you before and, and were able to parlay that into a job and and hopefully uh, you'll hear more on this uh, podcast in the future. Thanks again for that question. Uh, next question comes from Nick talking about the uh, ATP FO restricted privileges. Uh, he writes in, love your podcast. Just started listening to Aviation Careers podcast after catching up with Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh, I'm a bit behind, so I apologize if you've covered this. I'm a private pilot thinking about a potential career shift. I recently learned about the ATP first officer restricted privileges offering a break from the 1,500-hour ATP requirement to those with military or aviation education backgrounds. I have a bachelor's in aerospace engineering, and I was wondering if the airlines slash pilot employers look differently on someone with this restricted license. Thanks. Keep up the good work. It's very inspirational. I never thought I could possibly make a living doing the hobby I love. I tell you what, I'm doing that myself, and I enjoy it. I mean, there's uh, 95% of the time, my job is awesome, and it is so cool to do something that you really love to do. And it's okay to turn your hobby into your job. I think that's uh, that's a big takeaway from this. And I know, Tom, uh, you can relate to that, too. It's uh, I, It was fun for you, and you also turned it into a job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it beats working for a living. It, it sure does. And and as we say in the airline business, is the best part-time job in the world. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, as, as most people know, I, don't, uh, I do a minimum schedule, so I get quite a few days off. This month I'm working a lot. I only have 15 days off, but usually I like to do 15 to 20 days off a month, uh, which really isn't that much working, but I'm constantly working on these uh, podcasts. Uh, and he mentioned the Stuck Mike Gavcast. That's a lot of fun, and uh, that's, that's been something that I've, I've really enjoyed uh, working on, as you know from the last episode. That we had uh, Len from Stuck Mike Avcast on, but as far as the restricted license, no problem. They uh, they're, <laughs> they're happy to see you. They they really are uh, right now. From the folks that I talk in the recruiting department at the regional airlines, they're busy. I mean, they're just trying to find people because right now the uh, majors are just uh, legacies, and all the different uh, majors are sucking up a lot of their people, and they're they're looking for folks. So if you have that restricted, yeah, you know, they'll definitely look at you and they'll uh, – so don't let that hold you back at all. But honestly, though, you know, you'd be shocked if, if you become a CFI how fast you can get to the number of hours you need for the ATP. I mean, I think I did it in just a little over a year. Um, but, but with that said, I didn't have to get my ATP at that time because I got hired with an airline. They're like, hey, you know. Do you want to? Uh, if 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 you want to do it, you can. You can get your ATP, but you know, realize that when you get hired with an airline, they'll get your ATP for you. So, uh, I was one of those fortunate people that the airline actually paid for my ATP. Uh, so that was kind of nice. Um, well, again, thanks for that question, and I'd say yes. Don't let it uh, hold you back. I would I would definitely go for it, and uh, just make sure that uh, the school that you went to and and those uh, and all the numbers that you have add up. To have that restricted license ATP, the uh, some of the schools I, there's a list of them on the FAA website. They keep adding to it uh, just to make sure that that the program that you were in is certified by the FAA. Um, but great question. Next question comes from Matthew, and uh, this one I'm going to actually ask Tom to answer once I read it. Uh, he's talking about the best type ratings, and uh, he says, "Hello, my name is Matthew, and I'm currently in my first semester of aviation science through the Utah Valley University's." distance program. I take my classes online and take flying lessons from uh, my home base in Boise, Idaho. I plan on obtaining my bachelor's degree as well as all the required certificates up to commercial ratings and CFIs. I plan on logging in in as much multi-engine time as possible on my journey towards my ATP. When I'm ready, and I think I will be once I graduate school, what will be the best aircraft type rating to start off with? I've heard everything from Beach 1900 to Cessna Citation to Embraer's. I would love to be a corporate pilot, but have a huge interest in the airline industry. I'm currently a ramper for a major airline, so I get to see those big beauties up close every day. And boy, would I love to fly them. Thank you for the great podcast. I find it to be very informative and exciting. I'm very happy I found it. Matthew. Well, thanks, Matthew. As far as the corporate side of things, the best uh, uh, aircraft to get a type rating in, boy, that's, that's a tough question for me. Tom, what which one would be the best for him? Well, I think it would depend on which avenue he'd want to take in corporate. So, you know, considering 91 or 135, so working privately for a company or an owner or working in the charter world. In, in either case here, I think the best well, best ratings, and I'll, and I'll just kind of, I made a list here 
Um, and they're kind of in order. So I think a King Air would take you far, especially as you start out in your career. So many of them are out there. So many operators are looking for people to fly them. And you're going to get grants in that airplane. If you're looking for the jets, I would lean towards uh, the Lear 35s, the Lear 31s. While they're older, there's still a lot of them out there flying all kinds of different missions. And you can get killer experience in one of those. Uh, the equivalent to that in the corporate world, uh, while there are a lot of Lears in the corporate world, would be uh, a beach jet. Uh, you see, I think it's called the Hawker 4. 400. Um, you see a lot of those. And if you were to go bigger, um, because these type ratings, you know, the price differences between a lot of them are, are it's just a few thousand dollars. And, and really, what's the difference between 18,000 and 21,000? At that point, you could consider bigger aircraft like the Challenger 300 or the Falcon 2000, both widely used. You you see a lot of job postings for those. And, uh, and they're fun. They're great airplanes. And on the uh, airline side, the best thing to get is uh, the Airbus A320 or the 737 type rating. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking towards going on to an airline uh, project overseas, especially as far as, and the reason I say that, uh, I'm not putting down any of the other type ratings. But remember that the most popular airplanes in the in the world are the Airbus A320 and the Boeing 737. So if you're looking towards getting jobs, especially as a contractor overseas, I would look at that. But in general, if you're looking just at the airlines, uh, not so sure a type rating is, is the best thing to do right now with the low number of hours you have because the first thing you're going to do is go to a regional and the regional doesn't really care if you have a type rating uh, in the uh, type aircraft you have. The only time they do, the only time I've really seen them look at this is if they want to hire you as an instructor. Uh, every so often that will help if you have experience in that aircraft. Not necessarily type rating, but experience in that type of aircraft. It does help if they're going to hire you as an instructor. So look towards that. But uh, Great and, question, and That's Matthew. true in the corporate yes, world, too. I mean, it, it, a type rating helps. I know every corporate job that I have gotten, I did not have a type rating. So probably more important to focus on experience and value that you can provide over showing up with a type rating. And, and you know, that there's only one airline that I, well, there's actually more, but there's, there's one airline in the U.S. that's very large that requires a, a 737 type rating right now. And, uh, and that's about it. But that's before you go to training. That's not necessarily needed to get the interview. It isn't needed to get the interview. So, um, yeah, I'd concentrate the money on, on the other things, like getting your multi-time, your ATP uh, first. But if you have a ton of money to spend, and also the other part of this is that if you're, if you're a veteran, and I'm not sure if he is, but if you're a veteran, then, gosh, you know, you have all this money available to you. Go ahead and get the type ratings. I got a buddy of mine, just got a 7.3 type. Now he's got some money left over. He's going to get his Airbus A320 type uh, just, to, just to make him more marketable. And, uh, gosh, if they're going to give you the money to do it, go for it. But I appreciate that question. Um, the next question is uh, from Andrew, and he's talking about multi-engine time. Andrew says, Hi, Carl. First and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for doing this podcast. It has helped me immensely in getting my career as a pilot started. My question has to do with multi-engine training and time. I know from your podcast that multi-engine time is very important, and I'm currently trying to choose a flight school. One school offers a multi-engine instructor rating, but the other does not. My question is as follows. How key would the multi-engine rating be? Is this something I should really weigh heavily? I can still get multi-time at the other school. I just wouldn't get the instructor rating. Thanks and congrats on your wedding. But I can't wait for the next podcast. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, it has taken me a little while to get back on track with doing a podcast. But my wife uh, has been very supportive of me. And, and thanks so much. As far as the multi-time, uh, let, let's talk a little bit towards that. Uh, getting your multi-engine rating is important. I think uh, also uh, getting the CFI multi is important. I'll tell you why. As far as building time, when I was at the airport and I became a flight instructor, and this happened to, to me and other friends, I had the opportunity to go and flight instruct in a twin. The problem was I had my multi-engine private certificate. So I couldn't go and fly in that airplane. I couldn't do a lesson in that, in that twin. So I needed to get those ratings. What I had to do is I had to go away from my flight school for a couple of days and get my rating somewhere else, even though we just bought a twin, because I knew that if I stayed near my flight school, I'd never get it done. Uh, but what I did is I, I looked at the same situation and said, should I get my multi-commercial? Should I get my multi-CFI? Well, I did both of them, and boy, has it helped. I mean, I was able to start building time right away. Now, with that said, when I got hired at the airlines, I only had, I think it was 76 or 78 hours of multi-engine time. Uh, I had 1,600 hours, but the, primarily in single engine. 
the fact that I had my CFI and the fact that I had my multi-engine instructor helped me in the interview. And uh, when I told the guy, listen, I'm, we just got a twin. I am just started teaching in it. I'm going to get multi-engine time really quickly. Uh, the guy said, well, you know what? You're hired. And, and so, so I was able to move far, forward with that job, amazingly enough, with such low multi-time. Uh, but no, most of my friends that have had the same situation, once they got their multi-instructors, uh, they were able to build time fairly quickly. As a matter of fact, I... I get calls all the time from guys at the airport that have their own twins that want me to go up with them uh, to do some some flight instructing. I mean, I just don't have the time. I wish I could. But if you had that, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, that is just a great way to, to not only build time, but to get real confident in a multi-engine environment. Uh, so yeah, definitely go uh, get that rating. And it's just one more uh, quiver in your, uh, or arrow in your quiver, as they say. <laughs> that's for sure. So yes, go ahead and get that done. Get the multi. Get the multi CFI. That's that's our advice there. Um, so the uh, the but but if you have if you can only do the multi, that's fine. Get it done. Just get the multi rating. You you yeah. definitely need that. And, and also, uh, what I did with my this is kind of strange. I actually got my multi private without instrument uh, when I started flying because I didn't have enough time for my instrument. I actually found a guy that would rent me an airplane, a multi engine airplane. Uh, with uh, without having my multi instrument and only having I think 150 hours at the time, uh, you don't find those situations now because of insurance. Uh, you probably won't see that. But anyway, moving on. This is our last question before we uh, talk a little bit about the pilot jobs book. Uh, it's from Muhammad, and he's actually a Senegalese uh, Senegal. He's a Senegalese student, and he says that my dream has always been to be an airline pilot. So I'd like to know if you please can give me better places to perform my pilot training, quality training with low cost outside the United States. Well, you know what? Uh, there's quite a few uh, schools that are outside the United States. The reason we, we talk about the U.S. so much is that's where I am here now. Uh, they, uh, but these, these theories and practices go uh, all throughout the airline industry. There are some differences throughout countries. Uh, the uh, Senegal, I think, yes, it's part of the, I'm pretty sure it's part of the African Union, and there's, there's quite a few listings underneath uh, some of their websites and their aviation uh, website there in Senegal and in some others where you can find uh, some listings for flight schools. But we will, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll try to keep apprised of, uh, of different flight schools in that area. I've had some friends that have, have worked as, as Americans over there and I've had some friends that have come from over there to here in, in, the, uh, in the region and they, um, they both said it was, a, it was a little bit tougher because it's, it's quite expensive to do it uh, overseas. I found, too, that... Um, some of the folks have gone over to places, you know, Canada. I've seen them all over Australia. It all depends on 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 your situation and, and where you can actually uh, get uh, the ability to be sponsored to come over. I've had uh, quite a few folks at some of the schools that I've taught out here in the U.S. that have come to the U.S. and, and have trained. But you're looking for something over there, so we'll, we'll keep an eye out. And if anybody uh, that uh, does is listening that has some suggestions I'd love them to write in and, and tell us uh, where they suggest to go get their training and they can just go to the aviationcareerspodcast.com and go to the contacts page uh, Tom, do you have any, uh, anything to add to that? Just no, to, I, I don't. It's, I figure, just, it's yeah. kind of outside my circle of competence I, I don't right. know much about uh, learning to fly elsewhere outside the right. U.S. Good, and that and that's uh, you know that's the thing. Uh, the downside to having this based here in the U.S. is the fact that I have a lot of people listening and you folks listening overseas. Uh, I hope this is inspirational to you. And I do have uh, uh, friends that are in the in the U.K. in Europe and also in Australia that are are going to help me out. They said in, in upcoming episodes as to the flying and and learning to fly there. Uh, don't have a huge network over. You know, the only place I I've actually done much with is the Republic of Congo. Uh, but otherwise, there's not not much that I have as far as Africa. But we're we're branching out. We'll, we'll find some folks for you and and try to get you in touch. Um, but anyway, guys, that, thanks for the questions. Again, uh, I appreciate them. If you if you get a chance, go to Aviation Gears Podcast and ask some more. Uh, we are going to start having more guests on. Like I said, I took a break from the podcast and uh, because I was going to get married, and uh, my wife is going to help me out with some. The, some of the scholarships, and that's another product that we're going to have available. Uh, in, and we're going to include that. Uh, the scholarships guide is going to be included if you do it. We're going to start a membership. As far as uh, free membership, you can get the uh, 50 scholarships uh, that we're going to have on there that are being added every day, and those will be for free just by registering. Afterwards, 
it's going to be a really low, five bucks a month. And uh, if you do a fifty dollars a year membership, uh, that'll actually save you a little bit of money because we're constantly moving uh, new scholarships in there. But other things that we're going to include in that membership, uh, if you do a a fifty dollar annual membership, we're going to include the uh, pilot's guide to winter flying will be included. And uh, that is the one that from the last episode that we talked about. If you just do the monthly membership, though, I'm still going to give you uh, a free portion of the pilot's guide. Excuse me, the practical guide to winter flying. And uh, but there's another thing we're going to add to this, and this is something that that Tom's been involved with, and it's pretty cool. And it it seems to me it's a product that will help, especially guys that are looking for a corporate job. And that is. Um, that's going to be the pilot jobs book, and this is an online e-course which Tom's put together, and it's pretty cool and has a lot of different things involved. But before we talk about how we're going to incorporate that here, you know, Tom, tell us a little bit about this course and you know how you put it together and, and how it helps somebody. Well, sure, Carl. This is um, you know it's something that when I started my career, I sat down, I looked, and you see all these people applying for jobs, which you're seeing the same thing today, and I wanted to really. <laughs> stand out. I wanted to get noticed. I wanted to be different than everybody else who was just sending in a cover letter and a resume. So I put together this program to do just that, to really catch a a recruit eye and to really make it easy for them to say, yes, we need to talk to this guy. Uh, so so I've used this, this uh, I call it the pilot jobs book, um, for for every position I've had in my career, every single aviation position. And as I mentioned earlier, in my corporate career, uh, one, two, three, four, or three full-time jobs and numerous contract jobs, I, I got all of them without a type rating. And I can't say it's because of this product, but it definitely helped me get their attention so I could get in front of them and then sell myself. Uh, that's why I built it. I've had a lot of success with it. And in the same breath, I've sent them out and, and not had calls either. That, you know, definitely has happened. But um, to, to, to go back and look at how I've gotten these jobs with no type rating in almost every scenario, not the advertised minimum. So they wanted 5,000 hours. I only had 3,500 or whatever it might be. Um, it's helped me get their attention so I could at least have a shot at selling myself. Well, this pilot jobs book that uh, it's actually something you physically put together. Uh, the folks want to learn how to do that and how to properly place that. Um, you have some some really good videos and and some uh, courseware where they can actually download and and uh, and actually make sample resumes and the sample book themselves. Uh, we're going to have that out there, but there's actually a really good uh, introductory video to give you an idea about this, and it's really fi- easy to find. Just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on the products page, and and from the side you'll see the pilot jobs book. And there's uh, there's some again the first video is free uh, information about the course, and there's also another one about how to make uh, how to make a a website for yourself. We're going to include that one free as far as you as long as you become a registered user of the website. Uh, the, the cost of the website or cost of this product, and, and Tom's been nice enough to to let us uh, put it on the website here at the Aviation Careers Podcast. Is it's going to be thirty dollars? But the thing is, though, if if you become a member of Aviation Careers Podcast, where we give you you know all the scholarships and and we give you also the practical guide to winter flying, uh, that's going to be included in the fifty dollar uh, yearly membership. So there's a lot included in that. So if that's something that you think it'll help you on, I think it will. I think it'll help you get a job uh, in the future. And, and put together uh, something that'll that'll actually be something that's that's going to make you stand out. Like Tom said, this is this is a good product. Now, Tom, one question I have about this course is, what would somebody that's looking for a job in the airlines do? Would this be something for them also? You know, that's a good question, and and I will bounce that back to you because I'm not too familiar with the recruiting, I guess, styles of different airlines. When I went to, uh, you know, I spent four and a half years in the airlines, and when I interviewed for uh, that airline position, I did not send it to recruiting. I, I was able at that time, and, and at that time, by the way, is very similar to this time where there was a shortage of pilots. So there was somewhat, um, I don't want to say simple to get the interview, but it was you know easier than maybe some of the harder times that the industry has seen. Necessarily send it to HR. In those cases, I took uh, at least two copies with me so that when I showed up to the interview, I just handed those to the interviewers and I'll never forget the look on their faces. They've just never seen anybody so prepared to not necessarily interview, but to make their job as interviewers easier. And you can just, it's, um, 
enjoyable to see the look on their face and you end up getting more time. They end up asking you better questions because they're not necessarily just looking at a resume like they've been doing for the last six hours. Uh, so it really enables them easy to look at you and consider you for the position. And this is something where we talk about gatekeepers with the airlines. There's a lot of gatekeepers. You normally have to go through the websites to get in. Uh, but like you said, if you have something to take with you and show to them, that that might be something that will impress the person that you're interviewing with. Also, I think this is a great product. Uh, the way that I see it as a great product for getting airline interviews is going to all these job fairs. Oh, uh, yes. If you can carry this with you and uh, – and you're able to give this to the person. It has all the information that they want. It's an incredible format. I think that's terrific. But So if you're interested in, in looking at that, uh, don't take my word for it and Tom's word for it. Take a look yourself. I mean, there's a great introductory video that Tom did. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's great when you put together a package that really stands out from everybody else. I will say I've actually uh, slapped together a resume myself and uh, did a very poor job on it and didn't get the call for the interview. And that's... Uh, after, because I didn't spend enough time uh, putting it together. If I had done something like this and, and spent the time, I think I probably would have gotten that job that I was looking for. Uh, I do that now. I spend a lot more time on my resume. And, and what they were looking for was not in my resume, but I already had the experience. I didn't include it. I didn't spend the time. What this does, it, it helps you. I think it helps you to, to spend the time and put together a really good product that people will look at. So again, Tom, I appreciate your your letting the folks here at Aviation Careers Podcast jump in on this. And and if, if you're not someone that's actually going to look at being a member, uh, you can buy it directly. It's uh, $30 and it'll give you uh, access for up to a year to be able to download it. If you're not able to download the course within a year, don't worry. I'll, I'll uh, give you more uh, access to, to give you time. There should be plenty of time to, to download everything. If folks who buy this and they want to go through this process, uh, you know, if questions and so forth, I'm definitely available to help answer those. Cool, cool. So here's another thing that we're trying to do. I'm trying as hard as I can to get as many products out there for you folks listening, something that will help you get a job. That's uh, that's my goal here because I, I really love this this career. And the one thing, the reason I started this podcast is because people just didn't know how to get from point A to point B. And I think doing things like this, offering products like Tom has and, uh, and you know, like Len put together and like some of the other people out there, I think it's really important for you. I think it's going to help you a lot. And getting getting the money too. For, for jobs and getting the money for training is important to me too and that's that's why I started down this this path on on doing the uh, the scholarships and I tell you what it was much bigger than I can handle I mean that's uh, it's something I could work on 10 hours a day and, and still uh, find more and more scholarships scholarships for aviation training for a, uh, maintenance training for everything there's so much out there and and we're really we're, we're trying to put together a wonderful product for you that that you can find everything in one spot. The cool thing is that I'm I'm also somebody that that believes in you know giving you a lot of value for your money uh, because you know if it that's why I left it so low at five dollars a month and fifty dollars a year for all these different products and uh, you know if you have a product out there that's going to help people you know we can talk about that uh, but but like I said it's got to be it's got to be something where people starting out can afford this and that's that's really important because when I started out there's so much out there you could spend tons of money on it. and I. You know, after a while, you're like, gosh, you know, where do I put my money? And I need, I need the money for a lesson. I think this is really affordable, especially when you talk about the uh, the scholarships. I mean, if you just do the five dollar a month and you get, uh, or or just go out and register and get those sixty scholarships, and you're able to get a scholarship, say one, two, three, maybe thirty five thousand dollars scholarships, they're out there. That's wonderful. And if you're somebody that's that's not going to school but just wants to get a scholarship for a rating, those are out there too. So so take a look at those. Well, Tom, I appreciate your coming here today and, and talking to us about this product. They can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and uh, go to the contact page, contact me. They can also take a look at this product at the products tab and uh, and we'll also be putting a link on the on the uh, sidebar where there will be a, a an actual picture of the uh, uh, the pilot jobs book, and you can click on that, take a peek at it. But how how would they get in touch with you, Tom, if they want to ask you questions? The easiest way is just to email me, and my email would be tom at privatejetpodcast.com. Uh, that goes directly to me, and I'll be happy to to reply. That's great. 
Well, you know, Tom, again, thanks for, for being here today, and, uh, and thank you for listening. You, uh, you know, you really make this, this podcast possible. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, please visit us at the website at aviationcareerspodcast.com and, uh, you know, support us by, by taking a look at some of our sponsors uh, and, uh, and visiting our sponsors because they, they help us bring this program to you. Uh, also, if you're interested in any of those products, you have any questions about the products, just shoot me an email and, uh, and let me know what you think about it. I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you think about uh, all the products we have available on the website for you. Uh, the other thing, too, is that, you know, a lot of these questions that come in, some people think are repeats and and they they tend to be similar stories but they're all nuanced they're they're all some very you know specific questions and as you notice that you know I have a lot of different hosts on to help answer these questions from many different perspectives you know I, I've helped a lot of uh, airline pilots find jobs when they were on furlough and I've gone all over the world looking for jobs I've gone to the US I've brokered deals in Europe to uh, to hire pilots I brokered deals in in uh, over in uh, China to help hire our pilots well you know what that from that experience I've realized that it's all very similar this this path to the to this career in aviation but everybody's path is varied you know you can get to point b in many different directions that the similarity is is the person the person has to have persistence and perseverance they need to keep moving forward towards their goal the other thing that i think you should do is make sure that you're moving towards a goal that's worthy to you, something that's going to be important to you. If you're listening to this podcast and, and you know, <laughs> after all these episodes, you decide, you know what, this isn't for me. I don't want to be an airline pilot. I want to be a pilot. I want to fly as a hobby. You know what, good for you. I think that that's really important that you've come here and you've decided this isn't for you. This is something that you want to continue to do as a hobby. It's, it's not going to be your career. I think that's wonderful, and, and, and I support that. I think that say you want to design computer systems and say you want to design the next bridge, I think that's wonderful. But keep up with aviation because aviation really is a fulfilling part of my life and in most people's lives, and it, it helps you in your, in your current and your future job. It gives you certain critical thinking skills, and it gives you the ability to make decisions, and that's what we teach all the time. And, and, and it enables you to, to actually think on your own. And I think anybody can benefit from learning a skill like flying an airplane or becoming a mechanic. Say that's something you want to do on the side. But there's so much out there. There's so many wonderful opportunities, and the people in aviation are just passionate about what they do. And that's one of the things I think is, is really cool about this industry. Tom's real passionate about what he does. He's passionate about helping people. You know, Len, who was on the last episode, he's passionate. Eric Crump, everybody we have on is incredibly passionate about this job. And that's the reason I love this industry. Well, Tom, I appreciate your being here again. Yeah, uh, thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah, I hope you'll come on again uh, and answer some more questions. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Again, uh, thanks for listening to, the, to this podcast. And, and remember, do do what you want to do. Uh, make sure this is this is something that's important to you. And that is a worthy goal in your mind. You know, do this, do this for yourself. And, and whatever career you choose, make sure it's for you. And this, go, this career, this is my career. That's what you should say to yourself. This is my career, and this is what I want to do. Well, folks, I, I really appreciate you listening to me. And, and until next time, stay flying, and we'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. <laughs>